Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Wednesday edition of The Drive. Hope everybody doing well. I uh, wonder if uh, you got any rain where you are because there are certain areas of town where it is dry and has been as dry and everything is still as polleny as it was first thing this morning. Some other areas, uh, my house looked like got a pretty decent uh, rain for a little while. Unfortunately, it was before I got there with the car, so the car is still nasty. But uh, yeah, hope everybody doing well. It is a spring-like day. Temperatures around 80, a lot of pollen, a chance of rain. Not a strong chance, but uh, looks like just afternoon showers here for today and tomorrow. Friday is when uh, there's a chance for some nasty stuff. But hope everybody doing well here on the Wednesday edition of The Drive. Uh, Dan is down in Pensacola with the Troy women's basketball team, the Sunbelt uh, Conference tournaments for both men and women down in Pensacola. Uh, so he'll be back next week. Carter Bird is alongside, but it's Wednesday, and that means hour number one of the drive. We're joined by Jason Caldwell from uh, AUTigers.com and Inside the Auburn Tigers. JC, how you doing? I'm good, guys. How about y'all? Uh, doing pretty well. Uh, let's see. It's it's been a it's a pretty busy time. There's there's a yep. lot going on. Absolutely. I mean, as we've got uh, we're winding down the regular season in, in college basketball. Uh, we're, we're getting going pretty good, you know, about to head into the third week of college baseball, spring football practice is underway at Auburn. So there, there are a lot of things going on. Yeah. This is the, the busy time, the busiest time, um, throughout the year. This is much busier than football season is, um, because you have every so many springs for all the spring sports. Yeah. You have everything going on Mm -hmm. pretty much. And so. Yeah, you look at it, and and you got recruiting thrown in beginning today. Um, yeah, the visitors right. can be back yeah, on campus. There, there are visitors on campus yeah, today. Yeah, you got a couple of guys on campus today. There'll be more this weekend. On Friday will be a bigger day for them in terms of visits. But mm-hmm. uh, you got all those things going on. Um, basketball tonight in Tuscaloosa. Baseball tonight at home against Florida and them. Um, yeah, it is it is a jam packed schedule. Saturday will be a a crazy day with you know two softball games, baseball. Uh, tennis, basketball, all at home. All at home on Saturday. Yes. So uh, it's going to be a challenging day to get on campus. Get there, you might want to just stay there for a little while. It'll be a challenging day to find a parking spot. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you get there, you might just want to stay for a little bit. Yeah, no kidding. We'll talk about whatever you would like here on the Wednesday Drive. Uh, Let's let you know that hour number one of the drive, as usual, brought to you by our friends at Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. They're also the sponsor of our hotline, and that's one of the ways you can join us by calling 334-321-1390. You can also text us on the drive text box, and uh, that is brought to you by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, and that number is 334-564-1840. So uh, let's see, where do we start? I would I would guess we start with the immediacy, which would be basketball and baseball which are on tap today auburn uh on the road as you said jason at tuscaloosa the number two team in the country alabama about a 10 point favorite and looking 
to clinch sole uh, to 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 be the sole champion. They, they they would be the undisputed regular season champion of the SEC with a win tonight. I was thinking we were thinking about this. Had somebody asked me, um, what's the most difficult environment that an Auburn basketball team has ever played in? Ever. Ooh, I don't. I don't the, know. I think tonight is is there money. is there one that's absolutely tougher than what what they step into tonight in terms of no doubt. Probably not uh, because I, of I the si- because of it, yeah. the situation. Right. Recent recent ones when Auburn went to Bud Walton last year that was crazy. But I still think this is going to be a more hostile yeah, environment. Yeah, when you're talking about rival, a chance to wrap up the SEC right. regular season championship. Um, senior night for them. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, oh, you got the presentation of the the ODK I, 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 the ODK trophy. Everything. I mean, yeah. like I I don't know that you'll find a a more hostile and a t- and and here's the thing: people can dog on Coleman Coliseum, and for a lot of the times, it's not full. No, and tonight, when, it's, when it's not full, it's just a it, it's it just is like a, hanger. a big hanger. It's just a hanger. But tonight, it's, it's full. It's gonna be. It it's is, gonna be tough. Yeah, you're not kidding. And and so it's gonna be. Yeah. It's it's one of the more difficult environments that an Auburn basketball team has ever played in. There's, I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah. In the meantime, Auburn really trying to just completely put behind them that 32 point loss in Lexington just a few days ago, and still looking for one more win here in the regular season. And, I mean, they've got the numbers two and three teams in the net rankings coming up. Uh, and, and if they yeah. get they get one of those, they're in the NCAA tournament. If they don't, they're probably not in unless they make some serious kind of run in the SEC tournament. And, and I would say just about anything. If they lose, they lose out, it's hard for me to believe that, the, that they could feel comfortable if they're not playing on uh, the in the championship game of the SEC tournament, yeah, and and here's the thing, what we just what we just don't know is is how much, if any, the SEC tournament impacts it. Right. it has yeah. not impacted no. pretty much anything. I mean, Texas A uh, and M was was further out than Auburn is right okay. now, but but it did not impact them at all. I mean, like there basically there was nothing they could have done short of winning the SEC championship mm-hmm. to get there. And and you know what we've talked about this, and I I don't know that I disagree, even though it it wouldn't be in Auburn's favor. I don't disagree with the with the thought process that that I've heard some people put out there. The NCAA, that the NCAA selection committee shouldn't pay any attention to postseason tournaments, with the exception of automatic win, right the, the the winner mm-hmm. of the and, tournament, and and, and they basically that's what they've done. Well, I mean, did. the final four season, Auburn won the conference tournament and was a five seed going in and stayed a five seed. Correct, out. correct. It did not impact it, and and they ran through that and were as dominant as you mm-hmm. could possibly be, and it did not impact them on the seed line at all. Um, it hasn't impacted teams when they've lost the first game of, of a conference tournament. So, yeah, if you're Auburn, um, it, your best best bet would be to win one of these next two. Right, and and the best bet is going to is Saturday. It's going to be Saturday. But I mean, you've got to do everything you can tonight. You you absolutely don't want to go out there and you know come back with another thirty point loss. No, and here's the thing about it: Al- Alabama has has not played lights out great basketball the last couple the of games. Last, yeah. No, yeah, I mean, exactly. they, they, and so. This is an Auburn team that has veterans. You, if you defend and you rebound, then you can give yourself an opportunity. Now, can you make enough shots to do it against a team that's that's got some length outside? Do some of those things. That's that's the biggest question mark. But you, 
this team we haven't seen them go out a couple of times. We've seen them go out shoot the ball pretty well and do some things. Mm-hmm. But it all comes from inside-out play and, and moving the basketball. Uh, when they get stagnant, you know, they, they used to joke about Virginia stagnant and rough offense and they didn't score because, well, they tried to hold the ball. Right. When you get stagnant in this offense, it means dribbling and shooting. And dribbling and shooting yeah. for Auburn basketball right now is not the answer. Um, how much they move the basketball, how much they rebound the basketball, and you can't let somebody else other than Brandon Miller go off. Wasn't it last time out against Alabama where we saw a little bit of that lineup that had Wendell Green and Trey Donaldson on the court together, and it flowed really well? The ball movement was about as good as we saw all year. We saw it for a few minutes, and then I don't think we've seen it since. Yeah, no, not much. And and against an Alabama team that, that's going to run some bigger guards at you, the next two games, Tennessee – Tennessee, without one of their best players, mm-hmm. uh, we know with the injury last night to, to the point guard, what it does is make them much bigger. Yeah, and it makes them a a I think a more difficult matchup for Auburn. Even though you lose your playmaker, they Tennessee becomes a really big basketball team. You um, know, and he he went down when he went down. I thought, oh, Arkansas's got a chance, man, and Tennessee yeah, lights out. After yeah, played that. better. They played after they played Kai Ziegler yeah, got hurt. Vescovi played one of his better games. They did some things, and so. Yeah, you know, we've seen that this Auburn team, the, the, it's, it's the inconsistency. Mm-hmm. Can you show up tonight and play a 40-minute basketball game? We've seen that about twice this year. Yeah, and the ones that jump out are Missouri and US Washington. And Washington, Georgia. Washington, Georgia. So three times. I mean, Fair. Uh, and, and probably can't find one that was even inside, even 30 minutes other than those. I mean, it wasn't like a five-minute yeah. stretch. It was a 10- or 12-minute stretch. Especially recently. Yes. Especially you, you, recently you can, tur- you can turn your wave at Tex and Cindy. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I mean, that's the challenge. Can Auburn, can Auburn do something that they really haven't done much at all? Very, yeah. very few times. Yeah, and like I said, in an environment, here's the thing. Does, there's, there's two ways it's going to go. That environment's either going to constrict what's, what's – Still a fairly young Alabama basketball team. The key, a lot of the key guys on this team are young guys. You got some older guys. You see, they're going to constrict them, or it's going to constrict Auburn. Right. One of the two is yep. going to happen. <clears throat> and if you're Auburn, you hope that they get out there and go, "Oh gosh, look at all of your things going on. How tight you get," and you can make them play 40 minutes because uh, that's not the expectation they have going into this game. I don't believe. I mean, I would hope. I mean, if you're on the Auburn side of this. You have absolutely nothing to lose going into this environment. Like, nobody expects you to win. A lot of people expect you to get blown out. Um, they're playing for the, the, outright, or the outright SEC championship, all of these things, and it's their senior night. There's, to me, I don't feel like – I feel like you could go into a game like this with the mindset of all the pressure's on them to seal it tonight in front of their home crowd, do all of these things. Nobody expects anything really from you in this one. No, no. I mean, it, it, you're right. There's no question who the pressure's on in this game. And Auburn has pressure. Yes. Because, you know, you, get, you probably need to win another game. Yeah, you don't want to lose nine of your last 12. Correct. Um, but, but there's obviously a lot of pressure on this Alabama team because if you don't win this one, then you're going to have to go to College Station more than likely, and they're going to have a chance to – 
to tie you for this thing. Yeah, and get the top seed in the tournament. Correct. And, and so I don't think Alabama has seen an environment like that would be if that is to decide <coughs> the one seed and for a share of the SEC championship in the regular season with everything surrounding that that Alabama program right now. That would be about as difficult of an environment for that team to go on the road and, and win it. Yeah, it would. It would be a, a an extreme challenge if you start talking about doing some of those things for this team. Yes. Yeah, so there's, I think for for both ways. You look there's there's different things. Um, no question about this one. The we saw it, we saw it, and, and we we talk about a lot in football. We saw it Saturday in Lexington. Last five minutes of the first half, the first five minutes of the second oh, yeah. half. Mm-hmm. We talk about it in football a lot. In basketball, it showed up Saturday. That was the absolute difference in in a single basketball game. Was those were those stretches of minutes, and um, you know, for this team, it's going to be coming out, going in, coming out early, going into the half, coming out early second half. Look at those probably those fifteen minutes of this game and, and tonight, and, and that'll probably determine you know if, if the Auburn team's going to have a chance down the stretch. We'd love to hear from you. Get your thoughts on tonight's game. We'll. Uh, um, we'll get to our first break. We'll talk a little baseball. Got baseball tonight. Get Jason's thoughts on uh, on Auburn baseball to this point. Anything on your mind? Also, there was a, another media opportunity today. I didn't get a chance to go, but there were players available. Uh, and and Jason and, and other members of the media talked with uh, Marcus Harris, Keontae Scott, and Jarquez Hunter today. So we'll get some early thoughts and things to keep an eye on as spring football practice continuing with day two today. Stick with us. We're just underway here on the Wednesday Drive. You're live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 106.7 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Wednesday afternoon. We'd, uh, we'd love for you to join in. You heard the phone numbers. Uh, Jason Caldwell is here with us for, uh, for a little while here on, on in hour number one before he heads over to the ballpark. We'll talk some baseball in a little bit, but uh, just love to get some, some thoughts here early on. We, got a, we had that 20, around 20-minute 20 window to watch some of practice on the first day. But it was it was more than we've seen sometimes on first days, uh, and and Jason, I was I was impressed with how um, er- everything seemed to really run pretty smoothly while we were there. For for the majority of that staff being new, uh, it, it seemed it seemed like they knew what that knew what they were doing and what to expect, and the players did too. Yeah, I, I think it, it shows you one thing. It it shows you there was a plan. And a and a reasoning for the hires that were made. I think there was some familiarity from assistants to coordinators. Some of the things they did, they obviously studied each other or talked to each other. So it made it an easier transition when they're trying to mesh defense. They're trying to mesh offense, get everybody on the same page, do some of those things. So I think you could see that right away. And, and so I think that was one of the things. And then... It shows you that there's been a lot of work done with the players just trying to get them ready to get on the field and do tempo. I mean, they're, they're doing tempo on day one. You know, defense has to adjust, get used to it. Um, so I think it was, it was a successful first day. He freeze. It looked like he felt yeah. like he was pretty upbeat about what he saw. 
Um, get on the field right now for day two. Have another one Friday, and then take a week off for spring break, and then kind of start it over again. See, see what's retained and and how everybody how everybody is. One thing I thought about this, you know, uh, Hugh Freeze said it felt like fall camp to him. Well, you know, one of the reasons why. There are more scholarship players out there than I, than I think has ever been out there at a spring for since a, there's been a scholarship limitation. For a spring, absolutely, because you, you're able to add in so many newcomers and especially those transfers. Yeah, Auburn's got 80 guys, 80 scholarship guys out there right now, yeah, which, you is, pretty which much, is crazy. Yeah, pretty much everybody you're looking at. You got you had only one of the offensive linemen that you signed out of eight isn't on campus already. Right. And so you start thinking about those numbers and a couple of DBs didn't sign any linebackers. You got one running back that's coming, um, one wide receiver that's coming. You, most of the guys are already here, and mm-hmm. and so you're right. So you're able to get a sense of, and it's something I've talked about, um, and and tried to reiterate for for folks for a while. Don't expect to have a quarterback named after spring. That's it's not going to happen. I don't think they're going. I, I don't, I don't think know there's, that there's a huge advantage in doing that. I mean, unless any, unless you just unless it's absolute wow. Yeah, this guy is is you know and, and is he, great. And even and he's then, the man. even then, it's going to be that guy's great at running thirty percent of the offense because uh-huh. yep. that's pretty much all you're going to have. You're not well, you're not going to have an entire offense to look at. And I think we can pretty decently confidently say that uh, Auburn is going to look to add probably one quarterback in the May portal period. And if they do that, like not all of the competitors are in the room to begin with. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. I think that's part of it. Especially here, what you would expect. I think there's the expectations are that if TJ Finley feels like he's the odd man out already after the spring, yeah, if he's if not he, the man, if he graduates, then he probably would look to go somewhere where he can, can actually have a shot to compete. If you do that, then you're probably going to try to find somebody that has some experience under their belt to come in and play. And so it may depend on what happens as to what kind of quarterback mm-hmm. you're looking for. Also, there's going to be guys at other spots that, that are in a two or three quarterback battle that maybe guys that this coaching staff recruited, you know, they know um, that, okay, I want to go, go compete somewhere else. And mm-hmm. so you might have some of those guys. I think you'll see that. And I, I won't be surprised. He's, he keeps mentioning a ninth offensive lineman. He's mentioning a ninth offensive lineman. Won't be surprised if they go out and try to find another veteran offensive lineman or a guy that can maybe add some experience, um, maturity to the offensive line group even uh, after the spring zone as well. I would think that it might be a swing guy. This might be a center a center guard type guy, a guy that could play either one of those because they've got a few on the outside. Just I guess it depends. Yeah, I, I would on lean, how things I, I, go I lean this more spring. the other way. I oh, lean yeah. more the other really? way because I think you've got you got Tate Johnson who's a swing guy. You got Avery Jones who's a swing guy. You got Jaleel Irvin who's a swing guy, and you got Connor Lou who's going to be able to play guard or center. I think you've got several of those guys inside. Yeah. Right now you only have three true offensive tackles. I mean, Garner Langlow is a fourth. I guess there's four because Colby Smith's in. Isaiah yeah. Miller, Dylan Wade, Gunnar Britton, and and you had Isaiah Miller, but Colby Smith is the only true offensive tackle that you got. Now you'll have one coming in from high school, and, and then you got a guy like Garner Langlow, who's a guy that can play guard or tackle. And Colby Smith feels like a guy that, since he's gotten on campus, we just haven't heard a lot about. Yeah, like, it, in his time uh, it at was, Auburn, it was the worst case scenario for a young offensive lineman, even when, when there was only a few of them, because you had so many veterans. Mm-hmm. Those guys weren't even getting second-team reps. I mean, Colby Smith's a guy that in a normal year, you would have had, okay, we've got a swing guy, but, but we're going to get you. You're going to be our second-team right tackle, and you're going to get second-team reps. Well, for Auburn, you had 
you know, you had two junior college guys. You had Killian Zaire. You had Brendan Coffey. You had Austin Troxel. You also had Alec Jackson, who yep. was a guy that played tackle. So you're talking about yep. that's your fifth guy. So your fifth, he was your fifth guy. He's not even getting second team reps for for much of the time there. So now you you know Garner Langlow was at guard for most of the time because you had the, a, a, a a bunch of tackles that had all that had experience. So now those guys really for the first time are getting a chance to go out and compete for a job, and they've been here. This will be their third year. Yeah, now and and Jake Thornton. I mean, he's uh, he he seems pretty upbeat about what he thinks he's going to be able to get out of these guys. But, I mean, they've just seen him for a day now. So, I mean, it's there's no telling. The next time we see him, there could be a lot of people in different places than where we saw them on Monday because the coaches, they've watched film, they've gotten to know their players, but they haven't seen them in action. They haven't seen them in practice until now. So it's going to be really interesting. I think that week off, too, also gives the coaches a little bit of time to go, okay, uh, is there somebody that, that – uh, we're, we're fine here. We might look at somebody else or, or that type thing, I think, is what, what's going to happen yeah, in the second week. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of experimentation. Uh, obviously, on the offensive line, it's going to take place. I think it's going to take place on the defensive line as well. I think secondary, you look and you go, there's enough experience back. But even then, there's some, some bouncing around that you could do. I, I thought one of the more interesting things was Jalen Simpson being – He is safety, period. Safety, that's him. I thought he was – a, a huge boost in the secondary last year, mm-hmm. and he's gotten a little bit bigger, a little more physical. He's got the ball skills that Auburn hasn't had at safety in quite a while. And so yeah. I think you add him to that mix as an experienced safety. Zion Puckett, kind of the enforcer kind of guy. But, I mean, you got to I – mean, I mean, Craig McDonald is back healthy. You know, we didn't see him healthy last year. Yeah, I meant to ask about him. I mean, that's, yeah, he that's, looked good running around. I, I got, saw him. He's good ones. A guy who was the number one safety coming out of yeah. High school. I mean, you have those guys. Caleb Wooden played last year and did some things, and so I mean, they're, well, here, here's Gilbert, one. Gilbert, it, rather, yeah, here, here's one. Here's one thing you know, though. I think you can count on this. There are too many. There are too many guys at a couple of positions. We're talking about Auburn going into the transfer portal. There are going to be some guys that are going to go. Hey, man, there are just too many. There are too many players. Well, I mean, in my just spot. just think about too when you you, you know there's still a couple of. Corners that aren't here yet. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. you, that you that you signed and are bringing in. If, JC, if JC's a corner, yeah. If he's a the, corner, I mean, just just see what he's going to be. Um, you know, that, that's that's the thing you look. I mean, you know, you got some new additions at wide receiver. There's still there's not a ton of guys there when you think about playing three, maybe four at a time. Um, I did think that was, and it makes me think about JC Hart a little bit when when Hugh Free starts talking about catch radius. He starts talking about catch radius and, and mm-hmm. thinking about. Being able to make plays in in tight windows and do some of those things, and it it makes me lean even more to thinking, you know, you know, some of these these bigger, more physical guys yeah, are think get on the field like quicker. A, guy like a Camden Brown, um, yeah. Thinking about that, come somebody asked me today, who who leads the team in catches? That made me lean towards Camden Brown. Thinking about his physicality and his experience mm-hmm. at, at wide receiver already. One thing I I during the time I was watching um, on Monday, Jason. I thought the receivers really caught the ball well. I mean, I thought there were some there were some uh, catches that weren't routine catches that they were making, and we've seen you know over the last few years Auburn drop passes that you go a good receiver should make that catch. Yeah, and, and I think another thing too, I think there's been some guys that have they've done a lot of work already. Um, I talked to Robbie Ashford, and he's like, "Hey, we've been throwing." I mean, they they were throwing on Saturday morning the day of the Auburn-Kentucky basketball game. Him and, and wide receivers jumping out there and throwing, doing some of those things. I think that's that's going to pay off. And and I think it makes a difference knowing that you're going to get to throw the football. 
knowing that you're going to get to make plays at wide receiver. I mean that that has a that has an impact on how hard you want to work. If you're a guy that says, "Well, I'm just turned into a blocking guy. I'm 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 an, yeah. I'm an offensive tackle out here playing wide receiver." It's hard to go out there and go, "Yeah, let's let's make sure I'm really crisp on my routes." And it it has an impact. And I think now they've got an excitement going. Hey, we're going to be involved in the passing game. To to Bill's point, I guess about the receivers making some uh, good catches out there in the media window. I mean, if they take on the the. I guess skill set of their position coach, who the numbers for Marcus Davis may not ever jump off the page, but he made some really big plays, and he was pretty sure-handed in his time at Auburn, and he made some big key catches. If they can have, if that group can yeah. kind of embody that, yeah. that'd be a huge plus for Auburn. That really, I don't think, has been there for a little bit. No, Marcus Davis was. Um the consummate professional, even though he wasn't a guy that that you know caught a ton of balls, a um, mm-hmm. different kind of system. But he, he he and it honestly reminds me a lot of Cody Burns. I mean, now Cody now came in and and moved from quarterback and did some mm-hmm. things, but it reminds me a little bit of the same guy where you're going, man. You knew what you were going to get from him every time he stepped yeah. on the field. I, I and, mean, I, I think of the Mississippi State game in 2013 and the A&M. 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 That was, that's the biggest catch his career. And A&M's one I still don't know how he saw the ball. Yeah, because I mean, I'm telling you, being, like on the, being, on the, being on the field, it was it was as bright and washed oh, out as you could possibly imagine. Yep. And I was like, I couldn't even see it through the camera. Um, and it, I tell you what, Marcus Davis, my, he reminds me of the guy who was a, a really good team leader at point guard that becomes a really good basketball coach because he said, you know, I, I had to do all those things. I had to do all the little things to be successful, and, and I had to do all that. And I think about those guys. I mean, we just, we've seen you know, some of those guys and you know, secondary guys that, that turn into coaches. And, I mean, you look at, I mean, look at Will Muschamp. Look at, at you know, Kirby. Kirby Smart. You think about those guys going, like, man, it had to be a little bit, little bit better. Yeah. And they weren't the most talented guys on the field. No, and, and had to, had to excel and do it a different way. Marcus, Marcus Davis was a talented wide receiver, but he wasn't six four and he didn't run a no. four three. And mm-hmm. so he had to do it other ways. And I think he can pass those things along to his players. Jason Caldwell with us. Uh, you around till the top of the hour? Yeah, I think it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, good, good. good. Mm-hmm. We'll talk some baseball and more. Hey, you can join in 334-321-1390 as we continue here on the Wednesday drive. ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Wednesday afternoon. Hope everybody doing well. 25 minutes away from 5 o'clock. Bill Carter, Jason Caldwell. Here in the studio, Drew at the controls, and you can join us if you have any questions about anything Auburn or sports-wise. Uh, Jason, going to head over to baseball, Auburn and Florida A&M, and, and Auburn uh, this past weekend, Jason, 
without Joseph Gonzalez, uh, saw its three starters combined for seven and two-thirds innings. Got to get more out of your starters on the weekend, but it's tough when you don't have Joseph and and uh, not going to have Joseph again this weekend. Yeah, um, I think you look at it, and, and obviously uh, when, you, when you start talking about need areas for Auburn baseball, you need to find a way to get into games you know, on the mound, and, and that's the beginning of it. Um, I think I think we'll see Tommy Vale tonight for a few innings to see what he looks like as a potential starter good. down the road. And so, you know, veteran guy that's, that's been pretty good. He's only three and two-thirds innings in, in two appearances this year. But, yeah, you got to figure out a way to get into games. So, you know, I won't be shocked if we see Tanner Bauman maybe in a potential starting role this weekend to see. Well, you know, right. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work. I was going to say I, I I got to spend a little time with Butch yesterday, and, and we're going to – we'll probably hear that in the 5 o'clock – uh, hour today, uh, he said he's going to flip flop the piggyback Saturday, and Tanner's going to get the start. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, excuse me, Friday. Well, Friday, yeah. Friday with Tanner getting the start, and then Chase also following him. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things to look at. I think that I think I think that you start to get an idea of who who to bring in with runners on base and who to start a fresh inning with. Mm-hmm. I think some of these young guys. Bringing them in with a fresh inning is 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 the way oh to some go. of these guys have never come in in situations as a like that. I think it's I think it's a difficult. So I think it's I think the John Armstrong get me out of inning role is going to be really important for this uh-huh. team, and then start a fresh inning with somebody else, and then have it. He can maybe do that all three times on a weekend. Yeah, maybe do that all three games where you go, hey, we need to get an out right here, and you bring him get an out, and then you start a new inning with somebody else. So I think. You look at it, some of these young guys. I think obviously Dylan Murphy, Zach Crotchfelt are two guys that you look at. Got to get Drew Nelson going. He he's a better pitcher than right. he's shown so far. And I think he, I think it's it's I, and, and, you know right now it's in the head. And, I mean because he struggled the first time and wasn't used to that. Yeah, and the pitch the pitch clock is having an impact on young pitchers. It's got to. I and mean, it, it's having an impact. They've really never is. they've never had that. I mean, it's brand new. And now not only are they making that huge step from high school to college, but they've got something that's like hurry up, hurry up. And, and yes, and so I mean, I talked to, to Butch. He said he, even on some, just he said just something this simple. He said Zach Crossfield got. Got in a rundown, and he said, "I had to go, and you, we had to use a visit just to let him catch his breath, because you get in a rundown, yeah. and, you know, and you got to throw a pitch in fifteen seconds. Yeah, that's that's hard. To... I wondered about that, and now, of course, the the mound visits are over before you, you hardly get out Correct. there. I mean, but but 30... you got to bust it to get out there. Now. Correct. But thirty seconds gives you a little bit of time. I mean, you're you're seeing it at the big league level as well. I mean, I saw there there's some debate about." Do you see some starters because they don't have that time in between pitches to kind of almost like recover from pitch to pitch? Do you see them take a little bit off to try to still get that same length, or are they going to run out of gas a little bit quicker? And I saw you were tweeting uh, about the Mississippi State pitches. We were talking about it last night. Correct. Yep, and and, and it's become you know it's become an issue already. And here's the thing: even in Major League Baseball. I mean, the, there's there's much fewer complete games than there's ever been. Oh, absolutely. And now I think you're going to see them. I think it's going to see it even shorter now. I, I think you're. I think before long you're going to see the rules change for what qualifies uh, for a win. I think so too. You're I, not going to have to go I, five. No, I think it's going to change because I think designated the, starter, if he's effective, is probably going to be able to get a win, the, the like game, it is in spring practice or yeah, early yeah, in baseball. Correct. Season. The game College. has the game has changed, and and now you're t- you're, you're going hey. If that guy can get me through four innings, I got my my I got five more guys to get me yep. the rest of this game. And 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 you know baseball. I mean, right now I would 
even quality starts, I would I would bet you the length, the average length of a quality start now in Major League Baseball is probably just six innings. Oh, I, I'm I'm sure it is. Yeah, and so I'm you, absolutely you, sure it is. And and so you start looking at it. I think that's had an impact, and mm-hmm. how you adjust to that is going to be huge. And and it's not just Auburn; it's it's a lot of places right now. I um, wonder. I wonder if if that's. I mean, it seems like there are a lot of run scoring too. I think that may be playing into it as well. Yeah. No, I think it. I think it has. The batters know. Hey, they they got to go ahead and bring it. Well, and and the other part is is that when you're you don't step out when well yeah you can't step out but you know when you're you're a young pitcher and you're already it's already an issue to not throw pitches that are too good well when you get hurried up and when you get rushed mm-hmm. and you do those things it's either one of two things either either you can't settle yourself in and you're throwing balls or you're grooving pitches right down the middle and it's hard to get out of either one of those things and so um that's why it's going to be important location and and off speed, they got, you got to find those things and be able to throw them for strikes. And um, now with a couple of start, not a couple of starts, but a couple of appearances under their belt for each of these guys, be anxious to see how they do to see if they can settle in on a weekend and then potentially get Joseph back next week to kind of to kind of get on the roll a bit. Yeah, I mean, because it, it, does it seem like we're jumping into conference play even earlier than usual? I mean, I mean it's, because it's, it's four, like after next weekend, bam. Yeah, it's four. It's four weeks of a kind of lead up. The problem was is there there wasn't much lead up time of practice yeah. to get prepared. And so when you look at pitching, um, you know, you got a few teams that that have been pitching lights out. They've done a good job, but there's been a lot of issues for a lot of teams in in scoring runs, doing some mm-hmm. of those things. Then you, then you get a crazy one last night. I mean, LSU Texas and and playing in in you know in Austin and LSU hits a, a three run home run in the ninth to break a, a scoreless tie and win three to nothing. Uh, Texas, but you know Indiana team that Auburn played played at Texas last weekend lost two two run games and then won a two run game on Sunday and they were all less than five runs. And so um, you know the teams that Auburn has played, I think they've. I feel like the the schedule's been about right for them. You you didn't play national oh, no. you didn't play national season. You didn't type play teams, the toughest, but you didn't but, play but nobody's you, but that, you also, that can't play. Yeah, you played two teams that could very well be NCAA tournament teams I, at the end of the I, I year. Think, I think uh I think Notre Dame uh USC. I mean USC, I think they can swing it. Offensively, yeah, they're really they can good. swing it. They so, they've got some problems on the mound, but they can swing it. But so nine games in twelve days for a team that that's already looking for pitching, mm-hmm. you're gonna have to lengthen some guys out and get some get some some performances out of guys here down a stretch. But speaking of swinging the bat, that's uh Auburn can do it and I, I don't know that I've ever seen a start here at Auburn like Ike Irish is off to. No, it, it you'd have to to, I don't know how far. I mean, for a, for a freshman. freshman. I mean, I've seen guys have ridiculously hot starts. Yeah, but not true freshmen. No, and and you know when I talked to Gabe about him, um, Gabe Rose about him, even in the fall, he said, "Look, it's it's approach, it's knowledge of the strike zone, it's all, it's the things we talked about with Sonny share last year." But Sonny was in his fourth year of college baseball, right. and you think about it from a freshman point of view, Ike Irish, he'll hit the ball the other way, he'll pitch, he'll hit it where it's pitched. That's that's a hard. It's it hard though where it's. That's pitched. a hard thing to do, and and because here's the one thing about that: when you do that, you know that hey, it's probably going to impact my power numbers a good bit, because most of the time, true power guys are guys that are pull guys that that yeah. are mm-hmm. they're, they're one direction. I think you look at at him and Bryson Ware have been two guys that you look at it for different reasons and go, man, that's exactly what they needed. They needed Ike Irish to come in and be that guy, and he was hitting in the three hole from day one and they needed somebody else to go along with a Bobby Pierce and a Cole Foster and some of those guys they need somebody else to step it up and Bryson Ware has done that 
and he's another guy. He's bunt for a base hit. He's hit the ball the other way some. He's shown the ability that he'd shown flashes of the last two years. He he's going to once once we get into conference, he's going to see. I mean, SEC pitcher going to see can he consistently hit the breaking ball? But man, he is off to a great start. And then and then uh, uh, Justin Kirby just uh, you know. If it's a, if it's a hit, it's out of the park. That's yeah. the way it's been. I mean, yeah. it's not, and it's not like he struck out every other at bat either. No, and, and yeah, he is he is so strong. And and I and I went old school when I saw him in the fall. I said he reminds me of Ron Say. Now he's not he's not <laughs> he's not he's, he's not, not ping, built like the penguin. But it's that short, compact uh-huh. swing. It is very, very where, where short you look at it and, yeah. and, and he's chop. got a, oh, it's like it's the old wood chop. Yeah, you know, correct. But he's got a lot of power when he uh-huh. does that. And I think I think he's a guy that's going to have a ton of extra base hits um, because he has. You know, he's one of those guys that that you know the and the analytics will say he look he's got that got that launch angle in his swing and he does. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he's going to be a guy in the middle of the order. And, you know, we'll see. The transition for him into into SEC pitching mm-hmm. because you know I think he's a guy that's going to be able to handle ninety five ninety six. Oh, I but, agree. But ninety five ninety six with the with the eighty two slider and an eighty eight cutter then becomes a different world altogether. Yeah, so uh, it's they're a fun team to watch. Uh, again, uh, they they play at the same time as Auburn basketball this evening. Jason will be over uh, covering basketball markup in Tuscaloosa. Uh, Nathan went up. So oh, okay. yeah, Nathan went up there to, to to do basketball today, and so um, Mark will be be covering from here and doing some additional stuff from there. So we have somebody there, somebody here, and I'll be at baseball and Christian doing some football recruiting. So we got a uh, got a whole lot of coverage uh, going on tonight. Yeah, uh, there's a lot going on. We'll get to our final break of hour number one. Love for you to join in. Anything on your mind, sports wise, as we continue here on the Wednesday Drive. Time to churn up some more yardage on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Wednesday afternoon. Bill Carter, Jason Caldwell with us for one more segment before he heads over to the ballpark. Auburn and Florida A&M playing tonight. And uh, sun is out now after after a little bit of rain early. It looks like it's going to be a great evening for baseball. It's been great weather here early on for baseball, Jason. Yeah, it has. I and mean, It's supposed to be a little cooler this weekend. Uh, oh, yeah. We get through some Friday, some Friday rain there. But, um, for, yeah, for the most part, it's been really good and, and – yeah, it could be a whole lot worse. Um, and well, I'm sure glad they made the move from California to to Auburn last weekend because they would not have been playing any baseball. No, had they, they stayed there's out no there. way they could have. So yeah, I'm I'm glad that worked out. And man, and 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 uh, when I was talking with Butch, I said, I mean, and, and credit goes to everybody involved in this. I mean, it's not just oh, the teams need to get together. Uh, you, you've got to have everything else. You've got to have you know the the umpires and the grounds crew, and then, then all the support people too. Yeah, and to, I mean to to run the concessions and the gate and and everything else. Yeah, the, uh, as the, well, and the the travel and, and everything involved to, right. to change flights, do all those things. Yeah, when I got to to Huntsville uh, last Tuesday evening, and there was scrambling going on, and I knew then okay something's happened. They weren't sure if it was going to happen, but it did. Um, and credit to, to everybody involved for making it happen. They were able to play three baseball games out of it, which is a, which is a good deal. And so, um, you know, the un- only unfortunate part is is that 
you, you had to, to stop a game without any extra innings because it took so long and, and you ended a game in a tie. But other than that, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it was uh, it's a successful weekend just to get games in. Um, something we haven't mentioned here on on the drive. The the big story of the day is the uh, the the Jalen Carter story. Where uh, early this morning, word coming out about an arrest warrant issued for him, uh, and we learn now that the um, the Jalen Carter's issued a statement and saying he's been charged with uh, reckless driving and racing, and. The authorities there um, in in Athens saying that he apparently, according to them, was ra- was racing against the car that hit the uh, uh, hit the telephone poles and resulted in the deaths of a, a Georgia player and Georgia staffer on January fifteenth. Yeah, no, and it's it's crazy that that it's now the second player. I mean, Jamon Dumas Johnson, the Georgia linebacker, that. Um, that was had a, such a good year um was arrested la- i think last week for an incident that happened just a couple of days before this incident mm-hmm. was arrested for uh two misdemeanor charges of, of of racing on highway streets and reckless driving and so that's the second the second issue there yeah, so so that's i mean that's something it's like you hear different things that uh, some guys well, get into and obviously I'm, sounds like that's what that's what uh isn't uncommon in the in the wee hours in Athens. Well, yeah, and the the only thing that about these type situations we've seen it in at Alabama, we've now seen it at Georgia, is that's now how stories have changed because it was. I mean, we heard him. He, he I think he said, "Well, I, at first I was a mile away. Well, right. then I was following the car. Well, then I was beside the car. Well, now you find out you're beside a car that's going. Yeah, 100, you're beside 104 100, miles an hour. 104 yeah. miles an hour. It just the dis- this decision making and and hey i've made my share of dumb decisions too um i think we everybody has uh it's just the un- unfortunate that that ended it the way yeah. it did and and now you know it's going to cost him now he'll still be a guy that'll probably be a first rounder but oh, it's he'll going, be a first rounder. It, it's going to impact his draft status i have a feeling though yeah i mean i i it's definitely going to affect that i would have hoped that the Henry Ruggs situation a couple years ago would have been a wake-up call for people not to be in a college town or in a suburban area driving over 100 miles an hour down the road just because of how horrific that was. And I mean, Henry Ruggs basically, he, he killed somebody in that accident, and that, and but he also threw his entire life away in that situation. And I, I would have hoped... That that type of situation would have had some people maybe think twice before driving that fast in Athens, Georgia, or wherever. Yeah, and um, I mean these are this is this is in the city limits. Yes, you know, this is in, not in the city limits. Yeah, right. it's not out, in, in a, you know. And so I think you look at it. It's a, I mean it, it's it's an unfortunate situation because a, a life was lost. Oh, it's terrible, and, and and everything involved. Two lives were lost. Yes, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah, two lives were lost. I forgot. And so, um, that's that's the thing. Just just like in in the situation in Tuscaloosa, mm-hmm. that's the most important part of these stories. Yes, and and that can't be lost. Is that that this isn't just a, a guy that that is impacted his draft status or a basketball player that could impact his draft status. It's about lives being lost and mm-hmm. and and how and and why it occurred and 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 hopefully learning from that from others involved too. 
Jason, we've uh, we've only got a minute or so. I mean, as we said, there's an awful lot going on. Just let folks know uh, some of the things that they'll find and 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 uh, some of the things that you know are coming up there at AUTigers.com. Yeah, like you said, uh, obviously tonight, um, you know, lots of eyes on basketball as as, as Auburn's in Tuscaloosa trying to to pull off the upset there and and. Uh, no, no question in my mind if they were able to do that tonight it would solidify the NCAA oh, tournament no first. doubt um and so that's that's on the line there tonight got baseball tonight but you know football we continue to have have stories and thoughts you know throughout the week from football uh heading into to you know spring break next week recruiting tons of recruiting going on we had a bunch of stuff coming in from last weekend sunday at the under armor next camp in Carrollton, georgia so we have you know those things heading into visits this weekend um, softball, we, you know. Yeah, that's check. where you were Sunday, right? Yeah, I was. Okay. I was at. Yeah, you know, me, myself, and Christian Clemente were at uh, the Under Armour next in, at Carrollton, Georgia, which is an unbelievable facility. I mean, there's not, there's not a. Deep, what a difference a year makes, huh? Yes, correct. <laughs> I, yeah, I was not at that camp last year. Uh, that's a facility that a lot of Division One programs in this country would go. Yeah, we take this. I mean, they have a 120 yard indoor facility. Wow, and it's. I mean, it's nice, and so. Um, but yeah, so all those things, you can check all that out. Uh, follow us, uh, AuburnUndercover.com, AUTigers.com, and uh, follow me on Twitter at ITATJason. That's outstanding. Once again, Jason, thanks a lot for being here and, and uh, hopefully enjoy the game over the ballpark. You can, you guys can at least monitor what's going on. You got, you got, you got a, a screen. Of course, it's up over your head. Yeah, I, it's over my head. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll pay attention to it and then, uh, and got, got some things I have to be paying attention to as well. I hear you. Jason Caldwell with us for hour number one. Carter and I back with hour number two. We'd love for you to join in. Uh, if we get a chance, we'll run the, uh, the interview that I, that uh, I had with Butch Thompson, as uh, we just sort of look at early on through the first couple of weekends and how things sit there. So uh, stick with us. Hour number two coming up here on the Wednesday Drive. This is Clay McCall here from University Ace Hardware. I've lived in the Auburn area for over 28 years. I'm a retired educator of the Auburn City School System, and I enjoy helping others to be their best. I did this my whole career, and I can continue to do this at Ace because that's our number one priority to help people. University Ace Hardware, located next to the movie theater in Auburn. What's up, Auburn Opelika? This is Jay Williams from Keyshawn, J. Max, right here on ESPN 106.7. You can listen to the latest national sports news and buzz with Keyshawn Johnson, Max Kellerman, and me every morning from 5 to 9 on Auburn Opelika's sports leader, ESPN 106.7. On air in East Alabama at 106.7 FM and always streaming online at ESPNAU.com and the ESPN 106.7 app. ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika. This is SportsCenter. 
I'm Christine Lisi. Former Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter, one of the top prospects in next month's NFL draft, has been charged in the January 15th crash that killed offensive lineman Devin Willick and recruiting staff member Chandler LaCroix. Carter faces misdemeanor counts of reckless driving and racing. The crash occurred hours after the Bulldogs' championship parade. Carter said he intends to return to Athens to answer the charges and expects to be fully exonerated. NBA, Kevin Durant's ready to make his son's debut tonight against the Hornets. He'll immediately mesh with his new teammates because Durant can play anywhere, anytime, with anybody, explains ESPN NBA analyst Doris Burke. There are a few guys in the league that love the game more than Kevin Durant. They may love it as much. But in terms of what he does daily because of his passion for the game, um, so I expect him to elevate a team that had found its footing. Uh, but I, I expect that to be a fluid and seamless transition for Kevin Durant only because he's one of the greatest to ever do it. Doris Berg on Canty and Carlin. Lakers ruled out Anthony Davis tonight against the Thunder due to a right foot stress injury. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier to help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com.
11 at halftime, and they were down 20. Uh, I mean, it seemed like just about as soon as they came out of the locker yeah, room in I the mean, second half. Jason made a good point about it, talking about the last five minutes of the first half and first five minutes of the second half. It went from an Auburn one-point lead to an 18-point lead for Kentucky in that 10-minute period. Right. Um, Auburn, I think we've said this basically about them all year. Auburn's done a, has pretty much played to the level of its opponents, uh, when, especially when you look at that Ole Miss game. I mean, mm-hmm. every other time we've seen them play, even against teams that are probably more talented, more athletic, they found a way to stay in the game for the most part. I guess the exceptions then, are the last two when they blew out you know, blowing out Missouri. I mean, you see oh, yes, yes, yes. a couple of times blowing out Missouri and then getting blown out by Kentucky because Auburn had been, you know, in all those other losses. You know, we've been talking about, well, despite the fact that Auburn had lost whatever yeah. of whatever, they've had a I, chance to win in the last few minutes. And it'd been mm-hmm. like there's so many games that were single digit and. You had so many road losses by like X number of right. points. It was really, really tight and really close. And then Saturday, Saturday <laughs> was the first time where like it felt like they just did not have the fight. They did not have the effort in that second half. And it's it really, once Kentucky got up, it seemed like that was it. It was just the the air once, was out of the balloon, and 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 I I, I admit I, I I I don't know the last time I've done this, but. I just I had some things to do outside, and it's like once it got once it got uh, well over twenty, um, I had I found some other things to do, and I didn't watch the last ten. I minutes think it of the was game. the first time for me that I've seen an Auburn team just feel like it kind of gave up and quit on a game since the Miami game in the tournament last year. When when that went, because every other game last season, you always saw. Jabari just say, mm-hmm. "Hey, we're down. Get out of my yeah, way. He's gonna and carry let me bring you back right. and make it competitive." That one you didn't feel. Uh, I guess the Miami game. It just felt like, "Hey, this guy's sideways on us, and there's nothing we can do about it." In that second half, I kept waiting for Auburn to make a run. They never did. Um, Saturday was kind of like that. I think you have to go back to the 2017 SEC tournament for the last time Auburn lost by more uh, that amount or more. And it had a chance. Auburn scored the last eight points of the game oh, to, to pull if, it under 40, and that would have been the worst loss in Bruce Pearl's career. If Kentucky That's wanted, how bad that was. If Kentucky wanted to win that game oh, by 45, maybe they even could have 50, won it, they could have. They could have, absolutely. Because it was – that was – and I, I remember doing after the game, immediately after with uh, Jack Hutton, just the level of frustration because it just – it really felt like – Kentucky went on that run in the first half and went on the run to start the second half, and it felt like Auburn was kind of like, well, I mean, there's nothing we can do about this. Down 18, even though you had 15 minutes left to play, mm-hmm. it was just, this team just has our number. They're they're better than us, and it felt like they just packed it in. Well, the thing is, we've talked about it all year. Auburn just doesn't have that guy that, okay, we're going to go to him, and he's going to light it up and carry us because Auburn doesn't have anybody that we that that that, that has that uh, capability. I was talking, you know, with, with Wimp Sanderson, Wimp and Barry Sanderson this morning on their show in Tuscaloosa about, you know, that that's what they were saying. They said, look, Auburn just doesn't have a go-to guy. Yeah. And that's the thing. Uh, Alabama's go-to guy is Brandon Miller and Auburn did a great job of, of, uh, limiting him last, last time. Maybe overly, 
concern with the perimeter so much that Auburn left the interior wide oh, yeah. open last time. But I mean, Auburn's twenty of twenty four at the rim on yeah. layups and dunks. Which, they shot. They were twenty two of twenty eight inside the three point line. And it was. I all, mean, it was all those. If you go look at the guards, those dunks the, and layups, and the four guards between them scored like uh, forty points and missed five total shots. Well, it's because, it's be, it's because none the of them, they weren't mid-range shots. That's one thing Nate Oates doesn't believe in. And a lot of teams now, it's like, forget the mid-range game. It's either at the rim or it's outside the three-point line. And they weren't contested because everybody was outside. Everybody was out guarding the perimeter. It would be one-on-one up under the basket. So it wasn't as as though Auburn had anybody under there to contest those shots. So, so yes, something's got to change there. In, in front of a very hostile crowd tonight. Uh, you know, we were talking about it. I mean, Alabama looking to clinch the undisputed SEC regular season crown. Um, they're, they're getting the, the football trophy tonight and, and it's Auburn. I mean, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, it's, There's, I mean, and I said this, I mean, I think everything surrounding that program, I think that, the way that that fan base has rallied around this team, whether you believe that they should or shouldn't, it's going to be in a, in a very aggressive environment for Auburn. Oh, no question and, about and, it. I mean, I, I've seen some people say this. I mean, I think that um, there's a belief in some pockets of that fan base that the outrage of Brandon Miller is – partially pushed by Auburn fans. So I wonder if there's a little extra kind of vitriol well, in there. in the state it is. I don't think it's correct when you look at the whole scope of it. But, yeah, but, but I mean, the thing is, nationally, it's sort of it's sort of backing off now because there are other things. The Jalen Carter story today, you know, is... That's you know, fair. I mean, take, take some forward, In, in this state, it's not, gonna, it's not going to. Yeah. Uh, you know, in this state, the other side is not going to let it stop. Period. But, by the way, I just pulled it up to look at it. The the Alabama guards, the four guards, went 16 of 21 yeah. last time out in Neville Arena yeah. against Auburn. Just under 80%. All right, 334-321-1390. Anything on your mind sports-wise, let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline. And Dan is up first. Hey, Dan. Hey, guys. Um, I was going to talk a little about the Kentucky game. I, I didn't get to call in earlier this week, but there were a, a lot of times in the game where – Shibwe is literally shoving our guy completely out of the way. The one play where um, Broom got the, got they got the the technical called on the other player is because Shibwe just shoved him completely into the other guy, and the guy came down on top of him with his hand. Uh, you know, if you let a guy down there to shove you out of the way so he can always get the offensive rebound, it's like if you're not going to call that refereeing wise, then then you're going to lose. And our team right now. With Broom at center, which he, I think he's a natural power forward, but with him at center, and then if we, when we, um, we haven't got as much out of Caldwell as we hoped we would get, and then whenever you bring in the backups, we don't have a true legitimate guy behind uh, Jalen Williams. I mean, I mean, you know, Chris Moore's trying to, but I mean, he's only six six, and he hasn't yeah, been the not, same. He, and he hasn't been the same since he got hurt either. Yeah, I mean, he's just real tentative about trying to score and stuff. I just think we're undersized, and we're already undersized at guard. So I think Kentucky was just a terrible matchup for us. You know, when their smallest guy on the court is six five, you know, for the whole entire team, you know, and then plus you got the big guys down low and stuff. It's just, 
it just was a bad thing. And and there was other plays in the game, which you know I harp on refereeing a lot, but I think it's probably the worst year I've ever seen from with refereeing. But there was a play where Wendell went to shoot the three, and the guy slaps his hand or it hits him right on the arm. It's clear as day, but the ref doesn't call it and ends up being a steal for a wide open three. So it was a six point swing on one play. I just think once your team starts to get down like that and it's just frustrating, then you start to lose all your energy. And then, of course, it got out of hand. And I'll give Kentucky credit. You know what? They made every open three they yeah, had. They didn't. I don't think they missed one. That that was you one know, problem. That the threes were were way too open. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, you Owens, know, and that's Owens, given teams. Open looks from they have, and it's funny. Early, early this year, it was like, "Wow, Auburn's the best three-point shooting defensive team," and it's like they're giving them shots. They're playing the percentages, giving them shots, and now it's not working. I think about that Arkansas game, that Mississippi State game, where those teams had so many open looks they couldn't hit, they couldn't throw it in the ocean in those games. Yeah, but I just think in terms of our team and in the matchups, when we go against a big center who's you know. 250, 260 pounds, and he can shove Broom around. We don't really have the other horses to kind of keep up. Whereas, I, like, I, I think we're going to compete tonight. I think, you know, they're going to call out the guys' manhood and, and get them all jacked up. And I'm sure, I'm not saying we're going to win, but I do think we're going to play, uh, you know, really well. Um, I, I, think I think Auburn will. I think the, about uh, yeah, I think Auburn will come out and, and get after it. The concern I have is whistles. I mean, yeah. Auburn gets in foul trouble early that they're in they're in bad trouble. I mean, what last year was in Coleman was one of the only games we saw Walker Kessler get in foul trouble, mm-hmm. and just thankfully Dylan Cardwell had like the game of his life in that game and covered up for it. But I mean, Walker Kessler is a guy who is just like a savant at blocking shots and contesting shots without fouling, and in Coleman was like one of the only times all year we saw him quickly get in foul trouble. Yeah. Well, I know we haven't done it this year, but I, I and I know we probably don't have the personnel to do it, but I really wonder what a lineup with Caldwell at center and moving Broom over to power forward and moving Jalen to the three and just going bigger. You know, I, we, I know we haven't tried it, but I, I think that might help us if we ever did. I'm, I'm, anyway, just it, a thought. It's an interesting that, thought. Yeah. It's an interesting idea. My concern right now is I think Jalen's just – He's not a good enough defender, and if you have him matched up on Brandon Miller, Brandon Miller's gonna have a oh, field. Oh, you're right. Them. You're right. Jalen Jalen Williams is well. Really you have, if you're playing two wings, I mean, uh, who, who are you gonna play at the two? That play at play Flanagan, play Al at the. Uh, I guess. At the, then you then you put then you put Al on on Miller. Is what you'd have to do. Well, then then Jalen's guarding one of the guards. Well, I don't know. I don't. Know. Yeah, like <laughs> I think you, you almost have you almost handcuff yourself to have to put Jalen on him, and Jalen's. I don't think Jalen can hang with him on the defensive end. Yeah, but then on the other side of it, you would be much better at rebounding, which is obviously a huge problem in the last game. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, anyway. Appreciate the call, Dan. You know, going into the Kentucky game, I had said, and, and it got out of hand, so I didn't really notice. Auburn looked like they were sending more guys to the glass early yeah. on because that had been something that had really uh, been been just – blatantly obvious to me for a few ball games is Auburn wasn't what they were counting on Janai Broom to rebound and nobody else was really helping um you know on on the on the defensive end it's almost like the guards and other guys would be ready to come out and start to try to run run a break when you're counting on Janai to get the rebounds and now he's a good rebounder 
but not against three or four guys. I thought I thought the other nobody game is where that it good. Felt like Auburn had a strategy similar to that was that Vanderbilt game just because of what Liam Roberts Robbins mm-hmm. had been doing. It felt like Auburn centers were trying their best to just eliminate him on every shot and let everybody else clean it up. Uh, but yeah, I mean Auburn showed. Pretty good effort early against Kentucky on the glass. I think through the first 15 yeah. minutes of the game, it was 12 oh. to 12 on rebounds. Right. Or Auburn had a, a slight lead, and it sure didn't end up that way. Yeah, I mean, it, it was. I mean, you almost ended up in a scenario where Shibway out rebounded Auburn's entire team. Right. And and you gave up. You gave up what 16, 17 rebounds. To uh, Auburn only had yeah. one more defensive rebound, I think, than Kentucky's offensive rebounds. If they go 50 50. On on right. offensive rebounds, isn't that what it ended up like? Seventeen, it's 13 sixteen. Thirteen defensive rebounds for Auburn, twelve offensive <laughs> rebounds for Kentucky. Yeah, you're not. You're, yeah, you're not going to be close. To a ball game Toppin like that. Is a good player, but I don't think he's a guy. Yeah, he that, like a great that, player. That goes and gets twelve no. boards uh, against most Bruce Pearl Auburn teams. No, no, he's been a guy that's uh, been more of a wing. He really hasn't mm-hmm. done that much inside. He's super athletic. Yep. I mean, and it's, and he and his brother can jump out of the gym. But I don't think he's a he's he's gotten a whole guy. lot. He's gotten a he whole lot better because I mean, he looked like it's like oh yeah, Kentucky's not his brother. No, he's not. But he's pretty good. He's <laughs> when, pretty serviceable. When he first now. got there, I was like, wow. Yeah, I, I, like they they took him and he's yeah. he he doesn't feel like he's given a lot. And now he's a really good player. He really he really is. All right, we need to get to our first break here of hour number two. Love for you to join in three three four three two one thirteen ninety. That's the Kia of Auburn Hotline. So you want to know what it's like to be a college student at Southern Union? I'll tell you. You get the best of both worlds. Low costs and small class sizes. Plus all the perks that come from attending a school in an ideal college setting. Get as involved on campus as you want. Or buckle down and get ready to join the workforce fast. Visit suscc.edu to schedule an in-person tour or to register now for next semester. Now, more of The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Wednesday afternoon. Bill and Carter here in the studio, Drew at the controls. And again, we'd love for you to join in anything you want to talk about. We can talk some football. I mean, with Auburn uh, in its second day of spring practice, can't give you a whole lot of details. Just can tell you some of the things that coaches said. When we get a chance sometime this week, I want to run the, uh, the interview or the time that we have with Jake Thornton. Auburn's offensive line coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I- interesting couple of the things he had to say about some of his guys. Uh, I, I was I was interested. You know, we we sort of get preconceived ideas as to well, this guy's going to be here, this one there. He's going to move some players around. The way they had them, uh, Jacob, out there at the first day, you had Dylan Wade at left tackle, uh, Gunner Breton was at right tackle, Avery Jones was at center, Tate Johnson with Jeremiah Wright in a in a non workout i mean he was going through the workouts but when they when they started when they started lining up uh coming off the ball they weren't really having any contact he then was observing so that tate johnson was sliding in at left guard and cam stutz at the right guard 
But uh, Jake Thornton, when we had a chance to talk to him, he was asked about a couple of the guys. I was struck by a couple of the comments that he made, one on Azavian Miller. He said he has been waiting to see him at the right tackle spot for 11 months. And he said <laughs> well, he is yeah, not. He's been he said, for a long time. He said, because he'd been recruiting him mm-hmm, at, at Ole Miss, and he said he's now grown in, he's, he's grown into what he thought he could be. He really was impressed with what he has done here in the winter workouts, and he really sees him as an SEC tackle. Because a lot of people were thinking, yeah. oh, well, if Dylan Wade's going to be the left tackle, then Gunnar Britton will be the right tackle. Maybe Azavian Miller can slide in. But Jake Thornton talked about the versatility of Gunnar Britton, how he can play multiple spots. So I'm okay. thinking maybe he's going to look at least at Dylan Wade. I think Dylan Wade is your left tackle. It I, sounds that way. I think that they feel like they have, there's their guy at left tackle, and we'll see what happens if Miller can take the right tackle. Gunnar Britton could could move to one of the guards. I think I think everybody just looking at the size of those three. Well, Gunner's Gunner, Gunner's not quite the the length. You've got a little more length from from uh, Miller than you yes. do Britton. Yeah, but at. at I mean, Miller and Britton are what, and, and, six five, six six, right? And and Way was at six, six four. four. I, think, I think everybody just kind of. But I mean, you know, when you see them standing in. next to each other, uh, that yes. that three quarters of an inch well, difference and, in height doesn't make as much difference arms as is more as the arm length exactly. and 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 the way they're built, the way Which, they're put together. From what I've heard, Isaiah Miller, I think, just has like phenomenal length in his arms. That's yes, he does. And so I think that that's, that's, a, that's a great thing uh to have in a tackle. And I think from what it sounds like the this staff may be looking the reason why Dylan Wade is such a great fit at left tackle is he might be the meanest and most physical of the three tackles, and you kind of want that somebody got, that didn't give that. didn't give up many sacks yeah. or and you or want, you want tackles with, for loss for Philip Montgomery last year, and you want somebody with kind of that edge mm-hmm. at your left tackle position, and if he's got that, and you can pair oh, that yeah. with Jeremiah Wright on the left side of the offensive line, I I can't wait to see that because Jeremiah Wright has a Mean streak in him and a nastiness at left guard that I don't remember the last time we've seen that on Auburn's offensive line because it's been a long time. Oh, it's been a while. I mean, Brady, like he kind of Braden Smith, but like Braden Smith wasn't as like no as like gets pumped up about putting somebody in the dirt. Braden Smith just felt like a machine that was just pure muscle and would bury you in the ground. But it just. I'm excited if those two guys have that mean streak together when Jeremiah Wright is healthy to see how they work in tandem, specifically in the run game and what they mm-hmm. can do on the left side of that line. Yeah, I, I think uh, there's, a and deservedly so, a lot of excitement about both sides of the line of scrimmage. I'm telling you, uh, um, the big guys up front defensively, and you look at this roster, Auburn's got four, well, maybe five, 340-pounders. Uh, Auburn has never had that many guys over 330. Mm-hmm. They're, they're more, and they're in pretty good shape. I mean, there are some, there are some on the, on monsters. The offensive line? On the, on, on, on the, def- on the on defensive line. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, 
Offensive, offensive line. Offensive line has a lot of six five plus guys. Yes. The defensive line has a lot of uh, three hundred. I mean, you've got Jason Jones at three thirty nine. You've got Justin uh, Rogers three forty. Yep. Um, three forty one for Steven Johnson. Uh, and then there was somebody else, but uh, on, if, if nothing else, if you get in a short yardage situation, you should be able to park some bodies on the defensive line and make it difficult for an opposing offensive line to get a lot of push because they're going to have to move a lot of mass. Jeremiah, uh, I don't know on the offensive line. Jeremiah Wright's three forty-five. Colby Smith's three forty. Uh, Braden Joiner's three forty-one. So I mean, yeah. never. I mean, never seen that many guys. Uh, at that size, I would imagine Colby Smith probably carries that differently. He than does because he's six eight. <laughs> I mean, I I don't recall the last time Auburn's had an offensive lineman that big since what, like King Dunlap. Like King yeah. Dunlap was enormous. One of, one of my favorite things is to go back and watch the '04 team, the pregame speech by Tuberville, and when they come out of the tunnel, um, when before that game at Tennessee. Because it's the most hilarious thing when King Dunlap turns the corner and is a full head taller than every other player on the team. And it's like, it's comical because you you just don't see people that big playing college That football. tall. No, yeah. you're right. You're, you're, you're right about that. And but. he made a long, he had a pretty lengthy career in the NFL as a left yeah. tackle. Yeah, absolutely did. But, uh, but yeah, I, again... Well, no, an awful lot more. They haven't even gone in pads. Not in pads today. They'll go in pads Friday. No, an awful lot more after spring break when they really First start hitting. Is week weeks, is right? two weeks from tomorrow. Two weeks from Friday. The this week after the week. It does. Well, that's what happens when you take a week off for spring break. <laughs> but yeah, that first scrimmage, and they'll be scrimmaging on Fridays because Saturdays weekends are for recruiting. I love that. Yeah, I, I do that. too. I love that this staff gets that. Oh, Hugh definitely gets that. All right, we'll get to our bottom of the hour break. We're going to run Butch Thompson interview that uh, I had with the Auburn baseball coach on the other side. Stick with us here on the Wednesday Drive. Back to The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the Wednesday Drive. Bill and Carter drew at the controls while we've got a little time. Mentioned Auburn baseball taking on Florida A&M this evening. And I had a chance to uh, spend a little time with uh, Butch Thompson, Auburn uh, baseball coach. Talked about the uh, the Tigers' start and just uh, uh, quite a few of the things on early season thoughts from Butch. It's so good to be with you. Uh, it was. And it started up in Huntsville. You know, I even go back to the Tuesday ball game because – Huntsville's an amazing place. That Trash Panda Stadium is new and electric. And on a February to get, you know, above 60 degrees for a night game, uh, get to play an in-state theme in North Alabama and then have, 
5,500 fans show up. That Huntsville area is such an Auburn area, and so many people showed up. And really, I thought it was one of the best games we've played since I've been a coach here. And people say, what do you, what do you mean by that? And I'm like, well, no errors, uh, no walks, uh, only three strikeouts offensively. It was just an overall great evaluation of what we're trying to do and play the game. Um, so we were excited about that. And then there was so much work done on that same day of rerouting um, canceling our flights, getting Southern Cal to come out, and to have a 12-time national champion, uh, the team that's won the most in college baseball, the most championships, to come to Plainsman Park for the first time ever. Just that within itself is a is a big, big deal. And then, uh, you know, to, to be successful on the weekend, um, you know, every time you take the field, you're trying to win a ball game. So Sunday was hard to package from a standpoint of, like, we're, we have more rehearsal of handling a loss than you do a, a tie. We haven't had one of those in a few years, so I still don't know where, what compartment to put that in. It's kind of an unsettling type feel, but th- that was all about flight restrictions and totally understandable, and that was a three-and-a-half-hour game. Both teams had got down in pitching, and both teams have to continue to get better, I would imagine. I know that's how I feel. I'm sure that's how Andy Stankiewicz feels, and uh, but both teams competed their hearts out once again. So it was a great series, great crowds. We wound up uh, having amazing crowds for not even having these games on the books. Um, another opportunity for, for young pitchers to keep growing. That's kind of where my mind's at now. Um, uh, but, you know, uh, offense played amazing for an entire week. Uh, we hope that keeps going. You know, there's some things that are unsustainable, Ike Irish, was the SEC freshman of the week two weeks in a row now, and Bryson Ware, the start he's gotten off to. So, you know, some things are not realistically sustainable offensively, but as a group, we're doing great job there. For the most part, for the week, we protected the baseball. But that's good to see this early in the season where you feel like at some point we're going to be able to play competitive defense. It's just young pitchers and pitching moments. Can we keep growing out our pitching? And we have to be patient. We have to understand this pitch clock and all these changes that, that's going on in college baseball. It's hitting us at one time. And then today I just catch myself because I probably – we we brag in recruiting that we've had 14 major league pitchers the last eight years. Ten of those guys probably were not able to help us in, in their freshman campaigns as much as you want them to. So for our fans, really for me personally, I've got to make sure I stay patient. And every time these guys get to go into – a game uh, to know that we're grabbing experience. And I want it now, and fans want it now. And we have to understand how sometimes the, the sausage is made, so to speak. And But every time these guys get out, like against the USC, I think they're we got to make sure we're finding solutions and we continue to stay patient and keep trying to find that one thing that we can keep adding and, and, and get some growth going with some of these younger guys that are going to be great players in our program at some point. Yeah, you brought up a couple of points that I wanted to get to, and the crowds I thought were uh, were excellent, considering you know there were some season ticket holders that had plans. Uh, some may have been going, uh, you know, have, have plans to be heading other places for the weekend, things like that. Great crowds, and then uh, kudos to all the support staff and everything that goes into it. People don't think about everything that goes into that, but but to get everything together and have that. Uh, I thought was just just outstanding, but I, I wanted to get to a couple of the things that you were talking about. Uh, you had said that you feel like this this may be as physically strong a team. This is this is a uh, a team. Boy, they look good physically. 
and they look good. They look comfortable at the plate. I know everybody's going to go through ups and downs. You're right. I mean, Ike's not going to hit over 600. Uh, Bryson's not going to hit 540. But uh, you've got pop all up and down the lineup. And uh, uh, it, it's, it's really fun to see here early on because a lot of times, you know, um, hitting gets off to a slow start. Yeah, and I think a lot of people – first uh, – Two or three thoughts. First thought is uh, where you started is uh, flowers. I had to send a bunch of flowers out. All our girls with the travel and in our, you have no idea how many people work to pull this off. And so canceling our flights and getting USC flights, uh, it was incredible. Probably about a five or six hour turnaround where people made that happen. And I can't. So I had to write some handwritten notes and send out a, some flowers to the people that did an amazing job for that. Southern Cal's willingness to want to play and just in the spirit, it was the right thing to do. And we did it. We would not have gotten a game in if we'd went to Los Angeles, California, if anybody was tracking on the weather that they had over the weekend, it would have been zero chance to play. So we did the right thing. And then I think about our field guys, uh, concessions, uh, ticket takers. I think of anybody that would be involved in pulling off. We had a lot going on on campus. Softball was at home and they play a gazillion games gymnastics, women's basketball. We had so much on campus and for that stretched our resources. Hey, we're going to add a, a baseball series in here as well. I just, uh, I, I'm proud to be part of Auburn, uh, the university, the athletic department, because of the people we get to work with. I got to see the best version of everybody this weekend to where, you know, might've saw, might've been behind the scenes or whatever, but it looked like everybody was like, all right, let's make this roll. And our, our people absolutely stepped up to the plate. They won, and they pulled that off and, and, and gave our opponents a great experience. And, you know, coming to the ballpark is turning into an experience with Auburn baseball, and we're working hard. I know people are taking their golf carts out and families out. Um, in that right field where we open that up just organically, our students are absolutely stars, and now we got food food trucks and things going on. And I think the people that didn't come this weekend um, – the season ticket holders, I think they pass tickets off to people that may have not normally come to a game. I think we grabbed new fans from this weird uh, experience that we had of this weekend with USC being here that I think we introduced some new people to Auburn baseball, and I think that's fantastic. Uh, I did. It, it is the physically strongest team we put on the field. It's the deepest team we put on the field. We still need to play more people. More people can help on this team, we think, than than in the past. So we still got to get some guys some more playing time, some more looks at different things. But uh, you know, we Bobby Pierce as strong as you can get for playing his position. Um, Nate Larue is about as good looking catcher as you can can find. Strong arm. Um, Justin Kirby, the grad transfer, comes in. And I know he's only got five hits, but all five left the park so far. Uh, Bryson Ware, you can't find a better athlete to say, man, this guy can hit one 450. He can come get a slow roller. He can steal a base. He can lay down a bunt. Um, I just hope he keeps gaining confidence every day. I know confidence comes from acquiring skill and a great start to the season for, for Bryson, who coming off last year of like being a defensive replacement in the outfield, he's moved back to the infield where he'd come in as a junior college shortstop. So every day he keeps having success is great. And then Ike Irish, you know, what, what helps a freshman play immediately and contribute immediately? 
uh, physicality is one, so he's not lacking being physical enough as a freshman. He doesn't have to put on his 20 or 25 pounds. He's already physically strong enough, and then his mind is just wired to hit. So we've played seven games. He's been in there all seven, and he has not given it bad away. It's really personal when he steps into the box. And Sonny DeShera, for the beautiful walk-up song and for the good smile that he had and made everybody feel comfortable, they have a similar quality that when Sonny DeShera and Ike Iris step in a box, it's really personal and it's it's really serious. And I see that quality that I saw in Sonny last year. I see it in Ike Irish. I see it in a lot of players. It's very personal for uh, for our best players, if that makes sense. Uh, but Ike definitely presents that and loves, loves to hit and compete. And, and does an unbelievable job at it. You mentioned Bobby. How's he doing? Good. Uh, mid-hamstring, if I'm playing doctor for a second. Um, it happened on the first play of the game, on yep. the bottom of the first. Kind of, it was humid Friday. It was like right at nighttime. They just got through water in the field, bottom of the first, and he kind of slipped coming right out of the box in the first at bat. And we just kind of nursed it to Sunday. And then it was like he ran through the bag and he's on first base and just didn't look 100%. And it's just no reason for that um, at this stage of, of the year. So I just wanted him out. I think we'll hold him out of Wednesday and fully expect for him to be back in, you know, left field. Friday night. So this will give him and Anthony an opportunity. You never want a hamstring to linger. We never thought we pulled it. Uh, it, it we think it's a strain at best, caught it at a good time. And uh, maybe later in the season, you keep playing on it. But, you know, if you're not right at 100%, we got some guys that need some playing time. And get Mike Bello did a nice job coming in. Um, he, he did a slash hit, did some, did some good things. So, I think we'll hold him out this midweek um, on Wednesday against Florida A&M and then fully expect that he'll be back in there uh, Friday. Bobby will be. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, you went through a lot of pitchers this weekend. You didn't have a starter give you more than four. And, of course, you didn't have Joseph. So that sort of that sort of forces you to use a few more a few more arms. But uh, uh, this is what you – I mean, this is what you want. You want to be able to see how they react out there against, you know, something other than inter-squad games and just uh, – you know, how, how are things started shaking and, and, and how are things going with Joseph? Yep. Uh, Joseph has gotten an amazing report. Couldn't have got a better report. Um, um, Coach Dye taught me the less you say, the less you have to take back. So with these injuries, I want to do a good job where I'm being honest to you, people that listen and care for Joseph and uh, our fans, scouts, everybody involved. Um, so we could not have gotten a better report. We'll see the doc today. Uh, he's such a valuable arm uh, and has such a valuable future that when you know when one of those guys pull out of a start we're going to take a look we have the resources to do that and should so we feel great about it every time that happens i, I pray and i think and I, and I pause we couldn't have got a better report he has a his shoulder compared to a high level thrower is pristine is some of the words we use so again it's how the player feels right so uh, hopefully, I, I think Joseph will definitely miss this weekend. We'll try to get two throwing opportunities, have him back in the rotation for next week. So there probably is a little um, inflammation in there, and I just don't think Joseph's not the type of guy that take himself out unless he was really feeling something. So I don't think we jump him right back in. I think we try to miss another start and get back in there next weekend. Um, but I pause on that and just say we'll we'll see how he throws with these two throwing opportunities leading up to it. 
but we could not have gotten a better report from a, from an MRI standpoint and from a from a doctor's report. And you know, we feel like we arguably have the best in the world that are that are looking at these images of our student athletes and and thankful for that. Oh yeah. Now, uh, uh, Chase, uh, Chase also has uh, has probably used used too many pitches early on. You'd like, I know you'd like to get a a little bit more uh, out of him. There's no questioning his stuff. Uh, it was uh, Christian was able to give you four innings there on on Saturday. Uh, just so so, what do you what do you think, and how are you sort of piecing together the plans with nine games in twelve days starting on Wednesday? Yeah, so we're not going to be able to run and hide from our our staff. We have to keep developing it. Um, I just, you know, with this in minor league baseball, we don't have 120 or 40 games to sit there and just where most of it doesn't matter. Uh, every one of our games matter, and it's a much shorter season. Um, so every time we take the field, we're trying to win. Um, and I, I don't want to put ourselves in jeopardy, and I want to reiterate that we're trying to have success every time we – we take the field. Um, Chase, we're just trying to get a young amateur pitcher to keep discovering identity. And, you know, it's just a lot of pitches and short outings. Uh, this second outing was much better for, for us in an evaluation uh, than the first one. Uh, but we put him and Bauman together in a piggyback. And uh, so we'll probably flip it this week. Uh, so this is week three. We'll probably flip it, and we'll see Bauman maybe get to also. Um uh, Bauman's using three pitches. Bauman's getting in a little better tempo and rhythm and getting the guys playing, which has been huge. We've been winning our Friday Friday games. But I think before we get to SEC play, I think next weekend with Southeastern Louisiana is the last weekend before SEC play. I just don't want to get three weeks down the road and we haven't looked at everything and then are forced to do something different. I want to, I want an opportunity for Bauman to have to walk out there and start a game and for also to – have to throw out of the pen one time before we get to SEC play. So this is the weekend that we want to take a look at a flip there. We've really lost our other two piggybacks the other two days. Uh, so if Gonzalez is out again, you did see us use Herbert Holtz. I think we would do that again. And then um, I think Crotchfeld, we've been trying to get to him to be the starter on Sunday. He's probably thrown the longest and probably been the most successful in those two Sunday deals. We've just had to get a few things straight. Uh, but I think things are lined up now uh, for him to to get his first start. Um, so I'm excited about seeing Bauman, Herbert Holtz, Crotchfelt as the lineup this weekend. And, uh, you know, what does it look like with also adding him to the bullpen? You know, the one thing Chase really didn't get to do in the two starts is get to a third pitch. It's just a lot of disadvantage counts. We didn't get to – to, to, to land a change up or really to throw a change up into the mix. And uh, so <clears throat> we're going to take the two pitches he's presenting the two outings and take a look at that one or two inning set out of the bullpen and then try to get all these bullpen pieces going. And then hopefully some of these young guys can, we're not going to run from them. These are guys and um, it, it's going to help us if more guys start getting more comfortable. To me, this is resting heart rate with young players. Uh, this clock is um, I think causing some guys to pitch in yellow. If you look at a red light, red, yellow, green, I, I think I'm seeing some guys pitch in yellow. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have to learn how to take a breath. But it's like an inning and two-thirds, and they're like gassed. So I've been calling Eric Cressy, who's one of the best guys in America, Randy Sullivan. Uh, I just got off the phone with the White Sox before I get on with you on what they've been doing with minor league doing it last year. Um change out baseballs. We got to do some gamesmanship to try to get a breath 
because I want them to pitch in green. When things are going good, it's fine. It's really the problem. We're getting two outs, nobody on, and somebody's second inning. And if all their ATP and everything is gone from them, you know, what are we doing? So we have to do like when we change pitchers, when we, um, we're just looking at like our bullpens. Um, maybe we got to start firing off a pitch every 15 seconds instead of throwing a pitch, having a coach talk to you. Look at what Trackman says. We just got to go in and get a set where we start training the body, maybe conditioning before they do their sides or pins. So there's some things that we can do that we think can can help us grow and get better and, and how to attack some gamesmanship and some preparation. So those are the things that I'm thinking about. It's not like this guy's not competing enough or this guy don't have can't do this. What are the solutions and, and strategies we can do and, and, and some adjustments? Uh, when they get tired, they don't make as good of decisions. Our guys run their own show. The pitchers call their own game. It works in the end, and we're still trying to figure out a few things with uh, with a lot of guys. Butch Thompson, uh, as the, uh, the the Tigers, off to a, a good start. But, yeah, as you can tell, I mean, with no Joseph Gonzalez this weekend, hoping to have him back next weekend. Uh, Bobby Pierce out of the lineup tonight. Uh, but he he hopefully will be back this Friday. It's a great opportunity with nine games in 12 days uh, to, to get a lot of guys out there in the game and uh, get some real data and see how they react, you know, in, in action other than inter-squad. We need to get to our final break of the afternoon. Stick with us as we wind it down here on the Wednesday Drive. You're live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Final minute or so of the Wednesday Drive. Bill and Carter, our thanks to Jason Caldwell for joining us in hour number one. Auburn, Alabama, coming up in just a few minutes. Carter, it's it's hard to uh, feel really optimistic about this, but I think they'll I think they'll fight. Yeah, it certainly is. It's it's. I think they kind of the what, what I talked about earlier, where all the pressures on Alabama. It feels like or the majority of the pressure. Auburn still has pressure to win right. the game. I think they have an opportunity to come out and play kind of loose and show some fight coming off last game because nobody's going to expect anything from them in this No, game. you're right there. And so, I mean, I, that's that's what I'm looking for is just this team's fight tonight. Well, we will, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. You'll talk about it tomorrow on the line at, uh, at 2 o'clock. But, yeah, that's going on. We'll see if uh, we glean some more information from Auburn's second day of football practice as well. Justin Ferguson in Tuscaloosa will be joining the show tomorrow.